Um, could I Im impose on everybody to stand for just a moment so we can pray? I've just felt that um, we've really been blessed this morning by the worship time, by what we've heard, and I think that uh, uh, we've just been reminded of this wonderful thing that we call community, church, and the Spirit of God invading us and, and blessing us this morning. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that your presence is being felt here this morning. Thank you that you continue to touch lives. And, and Lord, in the busyness of even doing ministry, we can forget how you are touching people. Thank you for the testimonies this morning. Thank you for the words of these songs. Thank you for um, everything that you're doing in our midst. And it's a great reminder today, Lord, that you are alive, that your people are alive because you are working through us to do miraculous things, even in this world where so many are denying you. So I pray, Lord, that as we continue our worship, that you would continue to touch lives. And, and through the message this morning, you would touch hearts and uh, really give us your word. We thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are. We're starting, we're starting a brand new three-part series called T3 equals MI. Maximum impact. There's three T's that we're going to teach you over the next three weeks, right? And this is going to maximize your life. Now, here's, here's the deal. When it, comes, when it comes to relationships, there are three major categories for relationships, okay? Uh, the first major category is the vertical relationship, the relationship of us and God, okay? This is the vertical relationship. This is the one that the Bible talks about the most. This is the one that causes um, the most grief, if you want to put it that way. This is the one that has the most argument. This is the one that has the most contention. This is the one that we battle about the most often, right? Um, this is the one that people want to deny, this is the one that people ignore. These are the ones that says that this vertical relationship has nothing to do with anything in life, okay? We, we, know, we know people like that. We categorize people like that. There's people that say, you know, this vertical relationship, um, you can get through it all kinds of different ways, right? So this vertical relationship is the most important relationship in the Bible, all right? And it's the, it's the one that's the most contentious, the most argumentative, and, and, and all of that. The second the second relationship is the horizontal relationship, right? The relationship we have with each other, okay? That's the second major category of relationships is the one that we have with each other. Uh, the third is the one we have with ourselves, the internal. So there's vertical, horizontal, and internal, all right? These are the three major categories of relationships. And the Bible talks about every single one. And sometimes the Bible separates them and talks specifically about the one between you and God, uh, you and other people, uh, yourself, the relationship with yourself. And sometimes the Bible merges all of those relationships together. Okay? And this is, and the formula we're going we're to show you is a formula that Jesus himself used. Okay? So this isn't, uh, this isn't just some made-up some made-up thing, right? Because it's very, very important. Uh, Matt Jacoby, in his book, Deeper Places, wrote this, what truly invigorates the soul is relationships. That's what truly invigorates the soul. It is what we were made for, and it's what activates joy. This whole business of relationships 
is very important. We are made for a relationship with God. We are made to have relationships with each other. And we're made to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. And we know when one gets distorted, the others get distorted as well. Okay? Now, this is going to be really simple stuff. Okay? Because when we talk about maximizing our impact, maximizing our relationships, maximizing even our relationship with God, we, we want to get, um, I, I don't know how to put it, but we, we think of things that we practice. You're, you're probably going to think of things like prayer and Bible study and, 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 and things like that, but we're going to get even simpler than that. Because if you don't have these three components, something is going to go wrong. Now, when you get all these three components, you might say, you know what, I practice all those three components when it comes to God. So I have no problem, but I don't practice those three components at all with my relationship with other people. Right? Or I, I, I do two of the T's when I have a relationship with other people and a relationship with myself, but this third one's a real problem. Or this third one I'm not dealing with really well when it comes to God and I. So, so that's, that's how basic we're going to get. So these three are really important, and already I've got everybody trying to guess what the three T's are, so stop doing that. So here's the, for, here's the beginning of the formula, all right? Um, time. That's the very first T, all right? This is what we're going to talk about today is this thing called time, the formula for maximum impact. A famous quote from St. Augustine said, anybody, he says, I know what time is. This is what St. Augustine wrote. He goes, I know what time is. You know what time is. But the minute you ask somebody to define it for you, you go, I don't know. Okay? I don't, I don't know. Time, time is just one of those things. You know, we can talk about the law of entropy and how the arrow goes through the certain time vortex. And the law of entropy means that as, things, as, as time goes, things get worse not better, so that's the law of entropy. Um, so, we, but we're not interested. We're not interested this morning about talking about the definition of time. Okay, we're more interested about raising awareness about time. Okay, now I guarantee, right now, some of you are feeling guilty about time. Am I right? This, this topic is such a guilt-filled topic, right? Time, because every one of you know you could be spending more. You're, right now, you're thinking, I should be spending more time, you know, right? Okay, but park that for now, because we're, we're going to do something else, all right? So we're going to look really quickly at Psalm 39, verses 4 to 7. This is a beautiful passage. Uh, Lord. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful passage? Um, 
the writer of this psalm is looking around and seeing everybody who's chasing, um, you know, wealth, chasing to get ahead, chasing the things. You know, we, we seem to think the ancients didn't have the same kind of problems that, that, uh, that we do today, right? This, is, this has been the agony of the ages, is this chasing over prominence, chasing over wealth, chasing over something. And this is a really interesting tactic. As the, as the psalm writer is watching everybody do this, he says, to, he says to God, God, remind me how quick my life is. You know, the hand breath thing is four fingers in ancient, in the ancient, for the ancient Israelites. That's what a hand breath was. That was one of the, one of the smallest measurement tools that ancient Israel had. And said, this is the width, this is the length of my life. Remind me that it's just only four fingers wide. And here's why. Here's why he asked God for that. Because in the moment, and you've all experienced this, in the moment when you're looking around saying, oh, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, I wish I could be there, I, I, I wish all this stuff. And then suddenly when you're reminded that life is fleeting, you go, wait a minute. Is that really important? Is that really necessary? If my life was to end tomorrow, would I bother chasing that thing? Would I bother wishing that I had that thing? If my life was to end tomorrow... If, if I knew that my life was so short, where would, I, where would I gain all the important things in my life? Where would I focus my energies? Where would I put all my resources? Wouldn't that be far more important than chasing after this thing and maybe, maybe five years later going, why did I ever do that? Why did I ever go there? Why did I ever bother? Five years and it's done. How many of us have ever experienced that? And I think this is a, I think this is a beautiful tactic that if I'm going to chase, and remember in Ecclesiastes, if you're going to chase after the wind, you better make sure it's worth catching because you're going to take a lot of time, you're going to take a lot of trouble chasing after it. And this is what the psalm writer is talking about because whatever you chase better be worth catching. Because if you chase the wind, you'll never be able to fully catch it. That's the problem. So to appreciate life fully, we must first acknowledge how fleeting it is. I have never been at a graveside, I've never been at a bedside of someone in their final days who said to me, Pastor, I wish I had spent more time with my desk. I wish I had spent more time in my office, right? Isn't, is it, isn't it amazing how, how focused we become when time becomes limited? I don't know what it is about time when it becomes limited that causes us to focus. Do you realize, I think one of, the, one of the things that proves that God is good is that he doesn't give us what tomorrow's gonna look like. 
He does in signposts, and he does in, 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 in non-specific ways, if I can say it that way. But do you realize God knows what we're like? We're so worried about tomorrow that many of us miss today. And if God gave us all of our tomorrows, how many of us would be consumed even more so than we are now? Or is it just me? Okay. Here's another PowerPoint. Um, yeah, to acknowledge life fully, we need to first acknowledge that it is fleeing. I think that's really important. And if you look at the Luke passage, that's the guy who's building the barn to say, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. I've got all this time. And Jesus says, you fool, your life's going to be taken from you tonight. Okay? We, we just don't know. The next uh, PowerPoint is from Rick Warren. More, you know, I, I, I've always loved this this line from Purpose Driven Life. Whenever we give your time, you are making a sacrifice, and sacrifice is the essence of love. Isn't that a beautiful, you know? And how many of us love to give our time because that's an expression of our love? That is the best, best expression of love. You can make almost anything in this life. You can't make more time. You can make more money. You can make more friends. You know, you can make almost anything. But you can't extend your life beyond what God has ordained for you. That's the reality. And when time is up, time is up. You can't do anything about it, okay? That's the reality, right? That is just the reality. Uh, so here's, here's, here's a couple of points um, I want to make um, based on this passage. Oh, I've given you both. Oh, that's nice, okay. Time is a commodity, okay, that is meant to be invested. Time is a commodity that is meant to be invested, most of us, most of us don't think of time as an investment we have to make each and every day, all right? Carl Sandburg wrote, time is the coin of your life. It is the only coin you have, and only you can determine how it will be spent. Be careful lest you let other people spend it for you, okay? Here's, here's, here's the deal. We all know if we want to have a better relationship with God, it means taking time. If we're going to have a better relationship uh, with our spouse, it's going to take time. Better relationship with the kids, it's going to take time. You just can't get around that. You, you, you just can't. If anything, um, uh, I, I, people get upset with social media and get upset with uh, technology and that. I'm glad for technology because that means I can spend more time with my kids because they're not in the house anymore. And I can Skype with them and I can text them and I can all that you know, that's a, that might not, it's nice that I could Skype with him and that, all right? But you got to take time, and that's where the guilty part comes in, right? You got you to gotta take the time, right? In the Warwick Lectures, this is, I'm going to read something out of 1958, okay? 1958, delivered in Scotland. D.T. Niles offered these words, hurry means that we gather impressions 
but have no experiences, that we collect acquaintances but make no friends, that we attend meetings but experience no encounter. We must recover eternity if we are to find time, and eternity is what Jesus came to restore, for without it, we have no clarity. Now, I, I love that because how many, how many of you have ever thought that Jesus came to restore eternity? Have you ever thought of it that way? That Jesus came to restore eternity. Ben Franklin wrote this, if we take care of the minutes, the years will take care of themselves. Good time management is taking care of the things that matter most to us first. Lou Holtz wrote this. Uh, he has a great formula. He has a formula uh, built on the acronym WIN. What's important now? What's important now? Use some of your precious time to figure out what's important in your life, and you will win. Do you know that 30% of the people recently surveyed said they do not go to church because they're too busy? 30% because they're too busy. Time is a reality that we need to spend. Secondly, and this is, and this is, this is the point I really want to uh, hit home with. Biblical time is often presented more in terms of seasons, seasons, and not this linear thought, okay? Really important. How many of you remember Ecclesiastes 3, right? For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and build up, cry, laugh, grieve, dance, scatter stones, gather stones, embrace, time to turn away, search, time to quit searching, to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time of peace, right? There's a time for everything, but I love this part. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Their time is a cycle of endless repetition and of seasons. That's the way the biblical picture of time um, is, is made. But the important thing is that even though we experience time, we are, we are wired for eternity. That's what that passage is talking about. We, we experience time. You know, we're, 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 um, we're bound by time. But the reality is, is God's implanted in each and one of our hearts this idea of eternity. This idea of eternity. Now, this idea of seasons is really important because to go back to this whole notion of a guilt that we all feel when we talk about time, this is, this is the important thing to remember. I am not personally a big believer in balanced living, okay? Um, that might 
that might uh, you know, surprise a few of you. I don't think the Bible even teaches balanced living. All right? What I believe the Bible teaches is that there's a season for everything. Okay? That in your life, there's a season for everything. Some of you right now are at home with the kids. Okay? That's the season that God has ordained for you. And that's okay. Some of you are having a Sabbath. Some of you are, you know, are, 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 are parked. And you feel like you're useless and you're not helping. That is the season that God has ordained for you. And that's okay. That is absolutely okay. Some of you are working so hard you don't know what, right? And, and, and you've got this end goal in mind and you're putting all this time and effort in. And all of that, that is the season for you right now. That is okay. This whole idea, I don't know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, most of the people that I talk to when they feel guilty about the time that they're taking for something miss the fact that God has allowed this situation in their life because it's the season for them to experience that. And that is okay. That with everything in life, there is a season that you have to endure, that you have to experience. If you've been a parent, you know that season is much different than when the kids are out of the house. It's much, much different. When the grandkids come, it's a whole different season. Celebrate those. Those are times that God has ordained in life. Those seasons of life are very, 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 very important. And often we miss the seasons. We miss what God is teaching us because we think we are not being productive. There's nothing, you know, just think how productive you are when you commit yourself as a family to take care of raising your children. That's so, that is seen as so unproductive in our culture, and that's patently wrong. Patently wrong. That is so important in the world around us. So like the psalmist, ask yourself, what am I committing my time to? Is this a season that God has ordained in my life, and am I okay with it? Am I okay with it? You know, I came across a story a couple of weeks ago that I thought was really, really touching and sort of illustrated this a little bit. Um, uh, a man um, uh, dying of cancer, and he had three months to live. His daughter uh, moved up her wedding because she wanted to have the last, the father-daughter dance, right, before her dad passed away. She had to have that dance. So they, they moved up the wedding, put on the whole show, um, you know, filmed the, 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 the first dance, all of that. Do you know what was missing from the wedding? The groom. There was no groom. She wasn't even dating anybody. But she wasn't going to let her dad go without 
having that dance. So they put the whole thing on, the whole show on, to have that dance. Because time becomes so valuable when we're faced with circumstances like that. I think the Bible teaches constantly, don't wait for those moments to invest your time as you should. And to ask each and every day, how am I investing my time? If you're going to have maximum impact with anybody, be it your relationship with God, be it your relationship with others, be it your relationship even with yourself, you've got to take the time. Come back next week for part two. And in three weeks, you'll have the full equation. You'll, have, you'll understand the three components that you need to maximize your impact. And I'm going to say it as, again as we close, and just before I close in prayer, Jesus practiced this and modeled this very, very well. Can we pray together? Father in heaven, thank you. Now, you desire for us to have maximum impact in our lives, but there's just no getting around this, this time thing that can almost make us feel guilty. And yeah, maybe for some of us it's good to have the question posed and to focus a little bit more on what it is that we devote our time to. For some of us, we're really good at devoting time with the family. Some of us are really good at devoting time to ourselves. Some of us even good at devoting time with you. But Lord, challenge us today as to the areas that maybe we're not investing as we should. And Lord, for those areas where you've given us a season where we've decided to to, to maybe invest in ways that builds the relationships of others like our children or aging parents or something like that. Lord, help us to see that that is a season in life, that you are blessing it, you've ordained it, and that we should celebrate it for what it is. So, Lord, we thank you again for your word it's power over our lives if we allow it to touch our hearts and that we would continue to serve you in truth with our time. In Jesus' name, amen.